Hey, everybody, what's up? And welcome to Summarily, a podcast for busy lawyers. I am your host, Robert Stavone, Jr. On this episode, we're going to discuss some recent changes to the professionalism expectations in Florida. On July 6th of this year, the Florida Supreme Court issued in-ray code for resolving professionalism referrals and amendments to rules regulating the Florida Bar 6-10.3. The big takeaways from this opinion are that the court has now said that the professionalism expectations as they were revised by the court apply to all forms of communication, including online communication. And there are several provisions in the expectations that are fairly broad and also encompass social media communications. So for example, under honest and effective communication, the new expectation says that effective communication requires lawyers to be honest, diligent, civil, and respectful in their interactions with others including interactions in person and by video conferencing, telephone, text messaging, social media, email, online communications, and all other oral and written communications. The expectations also say that candor and civility must be used in all oral and written communications, including online communications. Another provision says that lawyer communication in connection with the practice of law, including communications on social media or other online communications, must not disparage another's character or competence or be used to inappropriately influence or contact others. Another critical aspect of the opinion is that the professionalism expectations as amended are now one of four sources that make up the standards for professionalism in Florida. The other sources are the oath of admission to the Florida Bar, the Florida Bar's creed of professionalism, and obviously the rules regulating the Florida Bar. So what this means, at least arguably, is that the professionalism expectations can be used potentially to seek disciplinary action against a lawyer. Joining me to discuss this opinion and its potential First Amendment implications is Zach Greenberg, He is the senior program officer, student organizer, and campus rights advocate for FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. Zach, thank you very much for joining me to discuss the recent Florida Supreme Court opinion and its potential implications on the First Amendment. Thanks for having me. Happy to talk about this. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an advertisement for legal services. The information provided on this podcast is not intended to be legal advice. You should not rely on what you hear on this podcast as legal advice. If you have a legal issue, please contact a lawyer. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests are solely those of the individuals and do not represent the views or opinions of the firms or organizations with which they are affiliated or the opinions of this podcast's advertisers. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Any editing, reproduction, or redistribution of this podcast for commercial use or monetary gain without the expressed written consent of the podcast creator is prohibited. So let's just jump right in. You know, I laid out in in the introduction what the Florida Supreme Court has done, and I know that you've read the recent opinion. You know, maybe you could give us some background about what the law says generally about First Amendment implications related to 
lawyer conduct and rules of different state bar associations? Sure. Bar rules on attorney conduct have gone back since the 1700s. You have rules about how attorneys can conduct themselves in court before a judge. And these rules are generally tethered to the practice of law, where the legal profession can regulate how attorneys act, what they can say when they're practicing law, generally understood to be in court in front of a judge. And you can see this in many of the ways that attorneys conduct themselves. You can't intimidate witnesses. You can't yell across the courtroom. You can't just berate the jurors, right? It has to be a very civil environment. Where it gets tricky is when the bar regulates attorneys outside the practice of law, such as just attorneys as human beings, as individuals, and they're not actually practicing their craft. And that's when the rules get a bit trickier. But in general, attorneys have the full array of First Amendment rights. They cannot be punished by the government because they don't like the government doesn't like what we have to say. And there, there's two really, I guess, data points here I like to point out when it comes to this. The first is a, a disciplinary ruling in New York, where I'm from, where a attorney in court was getting uh, yelled at by a judge, as attorneys tend to do. And the attorney turns to the judge and he says, you know, Your Honor, you are just one fry short of a Happy Meal. <laughs> That's what they said to the judge. And he got sanctioned for that. He can't insult the judge, right? You can't in court just, you know, yell at the judge for not liking, you know, the rulings. Just yell at you, you can't yell at the judge. It's part of the whole, you know, decorum of the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Also in New York, where I went to law school in Syracuse, there was this billboard, this big bus, these two personal injury attorneys, Alexander and Catalano, the heavy hitters, personal injury attorneys, right? They want to get big settlements. And they ran afoul of this rule that banned attorneys from having advertisements, including slogans or nicknames. And in that decision, the court said, no, 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 These you're regulating attorneys as, as business people, as individuals. You can't ban them from having slogans in their advertisements. This is free speech protected by the First Amendment. And they actually won that case. And if you go to Syracuse, you see buses and billboards of these two guys and, you know, everywhere because uh, they're big attorneys up there. So those are the kind of two decisions I like to show uh, really what are the bounds of, of attorneys' free speech rights when it comes to practicing our profession. The big question here is whether the, the rule is tethered to the practice of law, whether it really influences how an attorney conducts his or her profession. And in general, when it comes to what attorneys say in their private lives, it's considered to be divorced from the practice of law. It's considered to be something that the government can't really regulate. And there has been rules trying to restrict attorneys from saying things on social media, perhaps about political issues, for example, attorneys um, going off on political rants and perhaps um, using generally offensive speech. And and in general, the bar, this many committees can't punish attorneys for that because it is not directly tethered to the practice of law. So it's really a matter of the jurisdiction and, and how close with the nexus is between the rule and the, the interest here of the bar, of the disciplinary board, which is ensuring that we have you know, a competent legal profession. When it comes to online speech, it really depends on whether it's directed towards perhaps witnesses, judges, other attorneys, um, whether it's within their, they're putting their attorney hats on and saying the speech. And that can be a really tricky factual determination. Zach, you know, we understand that the rules can be a little bit more strict when it comes to advertising and things like that, because you're dealing with attorneys' messages to the community. Mm-hmm. And we don't want those to be misleading. And, you know, the bar associations control those sorts of things. Right. But 
when we're talking about the new changes to the Florida bar rules, these changes involve all forms of communication, including online communication. And it's that including online communication that I think is raising concerns for some people. Can you analogize this to any other cases that you've experienced? There hasn't been that many attorney free speech cases regarding online speech that I've seen. We can talk about, you know, in my in my day job defending students and professors, we see a lot of censorship for online speech, social media, um, you know, your Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, stuff like that, professors going off on Facebook. Um, that is in many ways the primary way that that professors and students get censored, get punished by their universities because of what they say online. Um, because it's so ubiquitous, because anyone can just see it because of the huge audience that they have. And also because of just some of the, I just say the really hot takes that people have online about social issues, um, especially in the wake of these politically charged discussions we have about race and other you know, national conversations, political stuff. So when it comes to, at least in the higher education context, the law is pretty well established, right? What you say online merits the highest level for some protection, the same level of protection that you would have in a face-to-face communication or even what we're having right now for a podcast. When it comes to attorneys, the, the distinction is really between what's being said in a courtroom as an attorney, what's being said in your private capacity outside the courtroom. And in general, because courts usually aren't conducted virtually. What attorneys say online is considered to be, uh, in general, in their private capacities as a member of a Facebook community or as a member of, you know, their local, you know, housing board. It's just simply a matter of attorneys speaking as individuals. And so to see a rule specifically encompass online communications, I think it sends a message that these disciplinary committees are going to go after attorneys for what they say in their private capacity. They're going to monitor what they say on Twitter and Facebook and try to punish them if they are, in the words of this rule, not being civil. And that poses severe free speech concerns because it chills attorneys from speaking out or really deters them from perhaps going off and having these political debates and discussions about hot button issues. And it is in many ways divorced from the practice of law um, because it encompasses communications outside of a courtroom, for example. Yeah, I mean, the, the new rule makes clear or the, or the opinion that was issued makes clear that professionalism conduct is, is guided by a number of different documents. The oath of an attorney, the professionalism expectations that are promulgated, obviously the rules of professional conduct. And the new opinion says that these apply to all communications, including online communications. And although I, I mentioned them at the top, you know, here's here's one example that in the expectations under heading number two, which is honesty and effective communication, it says a lawyer's word it is, is his bond, his or her bond. Effective communication requires lawyers to be honest, diligent, civil and respectful in their interactions with others, including interactions in person and by video conference, telephone, text message, social media email, online communications, and all other oral and written communications. Another provision says that, as you mentioned, candor and civility must be used in all oral and written communications, including online communications. 
Another provision says that a lawyer's communications in connection with the practice of law, including communications on social media mm-hmm. or other online communications, must not disparage the another's character or competence or used to be inappropriate influence or contact others. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is that there's there may be a problem with these provisions to the extent that they're broad. Yes. And they potentially encompass things that could arguably be outside the practice of law. And that, as with many folks, strikes them as you know, a, a bit of an infringement on their First Amendment rights. Absolutely. And it's problematic when you think about how these could be applied. We're talking about social media communications being required to be respectful. I mean, this is a standard that is very unworkable. I don't think people would put respectful communications and social media in the same sentence, right? You see what happens on Twitter and Facebook every day. Yeah. And under this role, we're going to have these disciplinary committees prosecute attorneys for what they say on their Twitter accounts and Instagram, what they say over over TikTok, that seems to be incredibly problematic and incredibly chilling for attorneys who, be, by virtue of their passing the bar and, you know, passing character and fitness, are now subject to these really restrictive and, you know, egregious bans on what they can say. I don't think that's what we want for the legal profession. Well, yeah, not only that, I mean, it's broad in the sense that it applies to online communications, including social media. But it also uses words that are generally, at least I would say, are kind of vague. Like what is respectful? What is civil? Particularly because the, the Florida Supreme Court has now said that the expectations are part of what governs the professionalism in the practice of law. Generally, you think that if if a professionalism complaint is going to be made against an attorney, you usually have to cite a Florida bar rule that's been violated. Mm-hmm. But you know, now that these expectations are incorporated into the way pro- lawyers are going to be judged, I'm just not sure how anyone could understand how to monitor or moderate their own communications. Like I said just a minute ago, what does respectful mean? And how do I know if I've, you know, is it, does the other person think I'm being respect, disrespectful? Or is it, you know, an objective standard of disrespectfulness? It just seems to me incredibly broad to the extent someone was charged for, you know, violating one of these new expectations, the extent they could be charged. What level of protection would they have in the First Amendment context? being that these are rules that are promulgated by the Florida Bar. Yeah, that's a great point. I would imagine that if the disciplinary boards, which are imbued with government authority, are trying to take away an attorney's license for being disrespectful on civil online, they would have a pretty viable First Amendment claim. And you also brought up a great point earlier about you know how broad and vague these rules are. And I want to I want to emphasize how these rules are binding only on attorneys. And you know, attorneys, we are trained to be zealous advocate, trained to be adversarial. We're, we're not here, you know, just to go along and get along. Many attorneys, their their jobs are to are to fight for their causes, fight for their clients, and to, you know, try to win cases 
choices and, and do what they think is right. I, I wonder whether or not these rules are problematic in the sense that they won't allow lawyers to criticize like the court system as a whole yeah. or the judicial system as a whole. Um, right. You know, that I think I think most lawyers understand that you shouldn't go online and disparage individual judges or individual lawyers. Um, mm -hmm. You know, but what about the lawyer that wants to go online and say the judicial system in this state is broken? The judges are not qualified. And that sorts. Well, does that cross the line of being civil? Yeah, and we're talking about core political speech here, um, being able to criticize judicial systems. You're criticizing a branch of the government. And now we're going to punish attorneys for exercising this, this fundamental First Amendment right. That seems to be incredibly restrictive and, and incredibly damaging to our profession's ability to change the status quo and you know affect change for the greater good. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the case that you're litigating you know, you mentioned it to me a little bit offline and, and it involves broad professionalism rules or the interpretation of those rules. Can you talk a little bit about what you're dealing with there? Sure. It's a drive by the American Bar Association and many states um, to address what they perceive to be rampant discrimination and harassment in the legal profession. And they are, are attempting to address this problem by changing the definitions of harassment and discrimination to encompass what I believe is protected speech under the First Amendment. Specifically, uh, the first iteration of this is defining harassment to be an intention by words or conduct to manifest bias or prejudice. And that definition is incredibly broad, incredibly vague, and would be used to punish attorneys for their expression. When this rule came out, we filed a uh, pre-enforcement challenge against it in federal court in Pennsylvania. And we we won. We got to put in a preliminary injunction. The judge was pretty harsh on the government. He talked about how the government cannot um, impose these, these, these broad restrictions on free speech and then say, you know, trust us to enforce it well. That's not how the First Amendment works. Um, you just can't have restrictions on the books to begin with. The district board went back. They revised the rule to have different definitions, which are slightly more broad and vague in many ways. And we fought against that as well. We won another court case. And now it's in front of the Third Circuit right now. And we had or, or arguments for it in April, where the two sides still, you know, we still couldn't come to an, an agreement about what this rule actually means and what's covered by it. It's, it's incredibly broad. They define harassment as conduct intended to show hostility or aversion towards a person. And they define uh, what is it, discrimination as uh, disregarding relevant considerations of individual characteristic or merit. So it's phrased in a negative, right? Showing aversion towards somebody, disregarding somebody. So essentially, attorneys can get in trouble for harassment discrimination for doing nothing, for not even, um, there's no overt act here. And so we, we're, we're very worried about these definitions being codified into law and being used to prosecute attorneys by disciplinary boards who get out of line, who say things on social media, who really just have any sort of political views that are at odds with the majority. And that's very concerning. All right, Zach. Well, thank you very much for running through this with me. And I guess we'll see what happens. I'll be following what's happening in the Third Circuit. That's really interesting. Can you tell us what that case is so that we can follow it? Sure. It is uh, Greenberg versus Haggerty. 
or I believe is a different defendant now. But yeah, the original case of Greenberg versus Haggerty, um, uh, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, they were the ones to promulgate the rules. And we're expecting a decision back in August. So very soon we'll have very a soon. pretty presidential, you know, third circuit decision about this. And we'll be sure to keep our uh, readers and listeners updated to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Of course. Thanks for having me. All right. All right, folks, that's a wrap. I want to thank Zach again for joining me. Obviously, I want to thank you all for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. I want to thank my friend Chris Clark of Pendulum Productions for editing and producing this podcast. You can find him and his work at vimeo.com backslash Pendulum Productions, LLC. And remember, folks, case law is one word. Thank you.